Good morning, good afternoon, good day, good evening, good night, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to First Aid Basics. I'm your host, Jay, and this podcast we're going to be talking about the primary assessment and the secondary assessment on a casualty. All right, as previously discussed, scene survey is the first thing you want to do before you even touch or approach the casualty. You're making sure there's no dangers, no to yourself or others, and make sure that uh, you have all your proper equipment with you, your PPE, your gloves, your first aid kit, whatever you have handy. So once we approach the scene, before we even kneel down next to the casualty or stand next to the person, wherever the person may be found in their position, we can, right away we can determine the level of responsiveness. Some books you may hear read level of consciousness. Uh, the, the most accurate term is responsiveness. So we're looking for levels of responsiveness. We're actually doing a few things at once. Uh, by approaching the scene and doing a scene uh, survey, we're seeing, we're observing for any possible signs of a head or neck injury. We're looking for the mechanism of injury of, uh, is it an illness versus an injury? Okay, and so right off the bat, I'll, let's discuss that. An illness would be uh, like a flu or um, a medical condition, so that's your illness. An injury would be trauma, whether the, uh, it's an open trauma or a closed trauma. What I mean by that is, if it's an open trauma, there's going to be external bleeding. There may be other uh, internal organs or bones sticking out that should be inside the body. Uh, for a closed trauma, you may be seeing signs of redness, swelling, bruising, etc. Um, and that will all determine what your next course of action will be. So like I said, you're doing a few things at once when you're doing your primary survey. So if it's head and spine, you need you want to take precaution while assessing the ABCs. And the core message of a primary survey is the airway, breathing, and circulation. Without that, the prettiest bandage or the prettiest splint you put on someone means nothing if their airway is not open and patent and the person's not breathing. So the primary assessment must be done methodically but quickly should take you no more than five to ten seconds to do a proper primary survey. And that's just focusing on the airway, breathing, and circulation. We'll go with the scenario that a, there's an unconscious person laying on their back. I like to start off simple and then as we progress we complicate the possible scenarios as to uh, if they're not on their back what do we do beforehand etc. So let's just go with the they're on their back, supine. If you can approach the person from their feet, by it all means possible, do it. If it's safe for you to approach from their feet, approach from their feet. And when we get to head and spine, you'll understand why. So as we're approaching the person, we have our gloves on, we have a first aid kit, if handy, with us. We're already starting to, to ring out to the person to shout out, hey, can you hear me? Are you okay? Right? And as we're kneeling next to the person, we want to tap on both shoulders and 
shout or make a noise, hey, can you hear me, in each ear in case there are some hearing deficits or um, the person's really hard to arouse. So tap and shout. Right, here's your first um, algorithm. If it's an adult, you need to call, have someone call 911 or you call EMS directly if you have your cell phone handy. If it's a, involving a child or an infant, you may do up to uh, two minutes of, if it needed to be, CPR. And then you would take the child or baby with you to go make a call if there was no phone handy right there on the scene. Uh, so for an adult, we're going to, as soon as we determine that the person's not responsive, call for help right away, whether we're calling a, a bystander to go make a call or we're physically taking out our phones, putting our speakerphone on, calling your local emergency service number. For here in Canada, it is 911. And most of North America, it is uh, 911. The next thing you want to do is you need to find out is the person breathing. So you, to open up someone's airway, we're going to imagine that you're laying on the, their left side. Okay, so you're going to be kneeling on their left side. So their left arm is going to be just by your knees. You're going to take your left hand, the first two fingers of your left hand, you're going to place it right under the, the chin, so that bony part of the chin. Then you're going to take your right hand and you're going to place it on the forehead, just above the eyebrows. And at the same time, you're going to do a head tilt, chin lift. Okay. The reason we do those two um, actions at the same time is the head tilt pulls the airway, the head back, okay, so that their chin is almost um, touching the sky, so to speak. And the chin itself, you're pulling that up because that's where the tongue lies when it's in a resting position. Okay? Your tongue is attached to a little bone uh, inside your mouth under, uh, under your chin. And um, so if someone, let's say, is snoring, that's what a snoring is coming from is the tongue is, is occluding the airway. Uh, it is a myth, it is a wife's tale that you can swallow your tongue. Um, that, that has been disproven many, many years ago. All right, so head tilt, chin lift. Then what you're going to do, while keeping your hands in that position, you're going to take your ear and your cheek and you're going to place right above their mouth and nose while looking down their chest and abdomen. So it will be your right ear will go just above their mouth and nose. Look, listen, and feel for no more than, say, five to ten seconds. In that time period, if they're breathing, you should hear the air moving, feel the air on your cheek, and see the chest rise or, ab or the abdomen rise. Okay. You're also looking for quick signs of maybe they're twitching or movement in their extremities. You're also looking for signs of circulation such as severe life-threatening bleeding. Uh, if, if at that time you do notice pools of blood coming from the person and they are breathing, you would stop 
expose the wound and treat it. Because if there's that much blood soaking through uh, pants or, or whatever clothing they're wearing, then there's, there's a lot of blood underneath that needs to be addressed. Another thing you can do is a rapid body survey during that time. It's quick, should take you no more than 15 to 20 seconds to do a quick rapid body survey. Your gloves are on. You're basically taking the palms of your hand and running down the chest, the abdomen, the legs. You're looking for anything that you couldn't physically see with a quick visual rapid body survey. You're doing a hands-on body rapid body survey. Just a quick running down the chest, the abdomens, the legs, and then the arms to see um, if your, your gloves come back with any kind of wet, bloody stain or um, if there was just enough bleeding that by running your hands across, let's say a shirt sleeve, that you could see uh, blood is now starting to, to peek through. You're also looking to see if there's any signs of grimacing uh, on their face, all right? So that's a quick primary assessment, airway breathing circulation. For an adult, the average respirations are anywhere between 12 and 20. These aren't normally taught in a first aid course because uh, people get bogged down on numbers uh, and they feel that, well, if their breathing rate's 14, then there must be something wrong. No. Or their breathing rate is 22, there must be something wrong. No. Everyone's a little bit different. That's why there is a broad 12 to 20 uh, for adults respiration. We also don't do pulse checks in basic first aid because if they're breathing, they do have a pulse. You cannot have that without the other. You cannot be breathing without a pulse. However, you can have the reverse for just a short while. If you are interested in knowing where the, to find a pulse, while the person is laying flat and their airways open, you would take one or two fingers, as I demonstrate on myself here, uh, and while you're listening to this podcast, if it's safe to do so, you're not driving, uh, find your own uh, larynx there. It's a, the nickname's the Adam's apple. And once you've located it, just lightly touch, slide those fingers to the side, oh, probably as one to two centimeters, and there's a look, a little groove be, before you get to your major neck muscle there, and you have the jugular vein and the carotid artery that lie right next to each other. So what you're feeling for is that carotid artery. And um, as a practice, we teach people not to reach across the throat to check for a pulse because it looks like you're choking them. So always, if you are checking for a pulse in the carotid artery, you would slide your fingers. Uh, towards the side of the neck that you're nearest. That way you're not looking like you're choking them. Or if they start to wake up and they feel this strange hand across their, their throat, they're, they're not going to be too pleased with you. The average pulse for an adult, depending on what book you read or, or what textbook uh, this comes from, the broad numbers are 60 to 100. Okay? Those are the broad numbers for an adult. The pulse should be regular and strong. And I know that's not fair for someone who's never checked a pulse, but if you're using yourself as, let's say, as a practice guide, or your friend or family member going, okay, this is what a pulse feels like. It's regular. There's uh, no 
irregular beats to it. It's, it's very flow. It has a its own. It's like a metronome. Doesn't miss anything. Uh, as well, the consistency of the of the um, feeling when you're feeling the pulse. It shouldn't be hard to feel, nor should it be overbounding like a drum. It's, there's a nice um, in between for the force of the actual uh, pulse itself. Okay. And that goes back to why we don't teach pulse checks in a basic first aid course because there's so many different um, avenues we could go down with that road and people get bogged down. Well, if it's 59 and it's hard to feel, they must be in trouble. Well, not necessarily. So um, just go with the basics of open the airway, check for breathing. If they're breathing, great. If they're not breathing, then we'll get to that chapter. All right. So that's to, to summarize your primary survey is you're checking for level of responsiveness. You're looking at mechanism of injury or possible uh, head or neck injury. Open them the airway, checking for breathing, and then checking for signs of circulation. So that's going to be either they're moving or their skin color and temperature. Those are all signs of circulation. All right, moving on to the secondary survey. For me, the secondary survey is one of my favorite topics to discuss because there's so many little things that I want students to pick up on in a secondary survey that um, helps the casualty. It helps you as the first aider obtain information to pass on to either uh, the paramedics, the ambulance attendants, or uh, um, other responding agencies. So if it's a secondary survey, that means the primary survey must be okay. You can't go to a secondary survey if they're not breathing. You're, you, you, you can't. You physically cannot do that. Physically you could, but it wouldn't make any sense if they're not breathing. So the secondary survey is broken down into three parts. The first part is what I call a history taking. So you're either talking to the casualty directly or maybe a family or a witness, somebody who can give you some idea of what happened before you, you arrived. Um, if you are taking notes listening to this podcast, this one note would be helpful. You write the word sample, S-A-M-P-L-E, write the word, the letters down, not across, write them down the page. Because it's an acronym, each letter stands for something, okay? Um, all the first aid forms I've seen, whether they've been volunteer, professional, even the ones on the ambulances I've worked on, have all had some form of the word sample in their reporting form. Right. The S. The S is the signs, the symptoms, or the subjective, what happened. Okay. So as you remember from the previous uh, podcast about medical terminology, sign is something you see, a symptom is what someone tells you. Okay. And subjective is their version or their 
account of what's going on. So that's your S, signs and symptoms. Your A is your allergies. Okay, Just ask them, what are you allergic to? And we'll get into medical alert bracelets in just a moment. You have any allergies? If so, what are they? You can write them down. In medications, what do you inhale, ingest, absorb, inject on a daily or regular basis? Okay, what medications do you take? And do you take them regularly? If you're supposed to take, uh, let's say, a blood pressure pill every day and you only take it once a month because of whatever reasons, well, you could write that down. Uh, is prescribed blood pressure medication, but states only takes once a month. Okay. Uh, some people are reluctant to tell a stranger uh, that they are on certain medications, and that is their completely their prerogative. Okay. P. Past medical history. Um, as a nursing student and as a paramedic student, we were always challenged in history taking get as much history as you can. Well, in first aid, that's fine and dandy, but in the emergency scene, we want history that's relevant to what's going on at that time, okay? What I mean by that is, if the person is stating they're having chest pain and they're really not looking well, have you had any pain like this before? Or have you had anything that's, you know, heart-related? under the past medical histories. And you may find out either no, first time, or yes, I've had a, you know, there's been some uh, heart conditions in the past, most recently, or something to that effect. So those are really important. Uh, It's the um, person that wants to tell you their entire life story. It happens, just bear with it. You can always interject politely, okay, Uh, Mr. or Miss so-and-so regarding your past medical history. Is it something that you've had concerning today's issue, okay, or today's problem? You you don't want to be rude to them, but you want to find out, has this thing, sign, symptom, whatever, happened before? And if so, how recent or how far away? L. All first aid books say last meal eaten. Let's go a little step further and say last intake or last output and last output. Uh, I teach uh, childcare first aid to daycares and um, the daycares here where I work are highly, highly regulated with good reason. You're entrusting a, a stranger with your precious child. So of course it would be highly regulated. and. Um, I tell the daycare workers if the parent or guardian drops off their little child and they give a quick blurb but that they were sick over the weekend and didn't need a whole lot okay that's good to know but they're feeling better great you could follow up that with well if they're not eating okay are they drinking fluids okay are they having problems using the washroom that kind of thing. So your intake and your output. There should be, for each intake, there should be some output and vice, you know, for if you're drinking a lot of fluid and you're not going to the washroom, there's a problem. If you're uh, eating 
like mounds and mounds of food and you're not going to uh, the washroom on a regular basis or you've stopped or there's been changes in your bowel or bladder routine, there's, that's something that needs to be investigated by a physician. Right? So that's your L, last meal eaten or last intake, last output. Your E, events leading up to the S. So what were you doing before you got ill, you got injured? This is especially important for trauma-related uh, scenarios. So I was traveling down the highway and I was hit by a vehicle. Okay, so you were walking or biking or whatever and a car hit you. All right, so that's what you were doing. That was your E to, to the events prior. Um, that is your first section of your secondary survey, is your sample. The next one is vital signs. First one we're looking for is level of responsiveness. Okay, and here's another word I, I can get you to uh, write downwards, which is AVPU, A-V-P-U. And we use this one a lot in pre-hospital settings uh, for neurological exams. So are they alert? You say their name. Are they alert? Do they look at you right away? Uh, and the next one is verbal. Do you have to repeat yourself to get their attention or to get them to open their eyes? Uh, sec uh, the third one is P for physical stimuli. I don't encourage pain on any casualty. Don't encourage my students or anyone listening to this podcast to use pain to elicit a response. Physical stimuli is different. You're tapping on their shoulder. Okay. And the last one is complete unresponsive. You've tried everything. You've talked to them. You've, you've yelled at them. You've tapped on their shoulder. They're not responding. So that's your unresponsiveness. And the second part of the vital signs are the respirations. As mentioned this a moment ago, the average respiration for an adult is 12 to 20. It shall not be labored or excess or noisy. So when you breathe in, you breathe out, there's no noise, it doesn't hurt. That is a normal respiration. Uh, the third one, we're going to talk about skin color, temperature, and pulse. Um, where this is not an actual first aid course, I'm going to go a little bit deeper where I can. Um, so you're looking at skin for signs of good circulation, the color or both uh, hands, the same or similar colors, and the skin color, the temperature, or both hands warm. Is one hand warm and one hand's cool? So you're comparing both sides. Uh, for this here, when you're doing skin color and temperature check, you can also check their pulse in their wrist. And that's found if you trace your finger starting at the tip of your thumb, going to the base of your thumb, right where the wrist, almost where your arm starts, at the base of your forearm, right at the wrist area you would take your two fingers and place them on the wrist just past where the thumb joins into the hand. Okay, 
And what you're checking for, again, it goes back to the primary assessment, the rate, the rhythm, the quality. third item for the secondary survey is a hands-on or hands-off check. Um, that is broken into how the casualty is, pre- you find the casualty. If they're conscious and they're only complaining of one problem, like a sprained ankle or a broken arm or something, and there's no other complaints anywhere else, this is a, what we call a focused exam. So we will focus all of our um, time and energy on that one issue that they are stating is the only issue. If the person is unable to answer your question, whether they're unresponsive or they're really drowsy or they're unable to give you a definitive answer, we're going to do a full body assessment. And a full body assessment is similar to the primary rapid body survey, but we're going to slow down, take our time. There's no need to rush this. We're going to start at the head, just as we do for everything else. We're going to take our fingers, our hands, and we're going to place them lightly over the scalp. Look at our gloves. Look at the casualty's face. Did they make any any grimacing notions or any is there any moans or groans coming from them? Next, we will look in each ear. Just a quick look. You're not going out of your way to um, do any ear Evaluations. You're just doing a quick look. Is there fluid coming from the ear? That's all you want to know. Uh, we've already assessed the face area by doing our primary assessment. So the next thing we can check is the neck. All right. Lightly touch the neck. Is there any, any weird feelings there? Um, and then from here, we're going to separate our hands and just lightly... On the chest itself, okay, so you got the sternum, which is in the middle. So you can touch, lightly touch that. Does there any uh, elicit any response from the person? You're also looking at your gloves. Dep- whether a man or a child, man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You're going to take your hands. You're going to lightly palpate or touch um, their sides, from um, wrapping around from the front to the side of their rib cage. Uh, under the breast, please. Um, again, do realize people are watching you. Could be watching you. Could be videotaping you. So utmost professionalism at all times. We only touch what we need to touch if it's not injured. Uh, at that moment, when you have your hands on their chest wall, so their fingers or around their side and their thumb is um, almost on the front of the sternum. Have them keep your hands there while they take a breath in. Is the movement symmetrical? Okay. Looking at their face, you're not putting any pressure on that chest. You're not dis, you're not stifling them. You're just making sure that the chest rises equally. Okay. From there, we will place our fingers over each other. So what I mean by that is uh, you will take your the pads of your left hand, put place them over your right hand, you will palpate or touch their abdomen. So imagine, if you will, uh, the belly button, or depending on what kind of pants 
or jeans they're wearing, the waistband is approximately where the belly button is. Uh, you're going to, in your mind's eye, you're going to draw um, a box or cut it in half with your mind's eye from top to bottom. And then again, lengthwise, I'm sorry, not lengthwise, um, horizontal across the abdomen. So that makes four little boxes. That's your, uh, your quadrants of your abdomen. You're going to lightly touch each one of those. You're not pushing in deep, just little slight pushes. Okay. And you're also looking at the casualties face at the same time. No matter how many sit-ups or push-ups you do, if you're unconscious, your belly's going to have some, um, softness to it. If you lightly press on someone's abdomen and it feels like you're pressing on a board, there's a problem. Okay. So from there, what we're going to do, we're going to go down the legs. You're going to take one hand, place it on the outer thigh, and you're going to take the other hand and place it just above the knee on the inside of the leg, and you're going to slightly push either way. Just lightly push. You're going to push a little bit on the outside of the leg and push a little bit on the inside of the leg just above the knee. And what you're feeling for is to make sure there's no abnormal movements, no broken legs. That's all you're checking for. You're also looking for signs of grimacing on their face, pain, things like that. And don't forget to look at your hands each and every time. Same thing goes for the lower legs, the tib-fib. Uh, one hand will go stay on the outside of the leg. The other hand will go just below the knee or just above the ankle, however your other hand's configured. And you're basically just a light push. Going down to the feet and the ankles, this all depends on what footwear they're wearing. We try not to remove any shoes. However, sometimes we have to. While you're down there, look for any signs of a medical alert bracelet. And uh, while speaking of that, when you're doing your secondary survey uh, at the top and you're uh, checking the, th- the, uh, the neck I, I mentioned a moment ago, that'd be a good time to check for a medical alert necklace. All right. If you're pushing on someone's foot and you see that their face starts to grimace, then yes, you're going to investigate and take off a shoe, see what's going on, if there's any swelling or if there's bleeding. And lastly, what we're going to check are the arms. Same rules as the legs. Um, one side goes on one side of the arm, one, one hand goes on the inside of the arm. You're going to slightly push to see if there's any, uh, any give, any abnormal give. And again, the lower arms, the wrist, we get to the wrist. We're looking for a couple of things here. If they're wearing long sleeves, pull the sleeves up. If at all possible, you're looking for medical alert bracelets. Um, right as of this recording, uh, medical alert tattoos are very, very popular and have been for several years. You would see uh, maybe diabetic uh, allergies to medications, allergies, any, anything that can help give you an idea of what's going on. Under medical alert bracelets, necklaces, anklets, wallet cards, whatever the case might be, if all there is is a phone number, that's for the emergency room staff to call because that means that the person's medical history is very complex and there's just not enough room to write it on that little, tiny little bracelet. All right. 
So just as a recap of your secondary survey. First thing we're going to check is history. Try to obtain a history. So that's your uh, signs and symptoms, allergies, medications, past medical history, last meal eaten or intake and output, and events prior to uh, what had occurred. The second item, that just as a recap, is your vital signs. The first vital sign that we check for is level of responsiveness. Remember AVPU. Second, we're going to check for respirations. Are they breathing? Is it really fast? Is it really slow? Uh, are they having guarding, like a side when they're breathing in? Does, do you see any signs of grimacing? And then the second, uh, the last one is going to be skin color, temperature, circulation. So, are the each sides equal in their uh, the color and the temperature? And the last one is a hands-on check, whether it be focused exam or a full body survey. Okay, secondary survey. And no, I haven't talked about check. Um, haven't discussed examining the back or the back of the legs or anything yet. We'll get to that as the time goes on. Right now, we're going to we're the fundamentals of first aid, the basics of first aid. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, you know how to reach out to me via the podcast. You have yourself a great day, and thank you again for listening to First Aid Basics by Jay.